We're going to read a few verses together. I knew Willie's testimony, so my mind was again attracted to this because I knew he was going to be speaking and I had a good idea what he was going to say. So we're going to turn to Job chapter 33. Job chapter 33. And we're going to read several verses through together from the Bible. Job chapter 33. And we're breaking into the story where one of the friends of Job come to him in the day of great trouble. Job has lost his ten children. He has lost all his money. And he has lost his health. And in the midst of the darkness... One of his friends comes, and this is what he shares. In Job chapter 33 and verse 14. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men and slumberings upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men and children and sealeth their instruction, that he may withdraw man from his purpose or his sinning, and hide pride from man. He keepeth back his soul from the pit, and his life from perishing by the sword. Man is chastened also with pain upon his bed, and the multitude of his bones with strong pain, so that his life abhorreth bread, and his soul dainty meat. His flesh is consumed away that it cannot be seen, and his bones that were not seen stick out. His soul draweth near unto the grave, and his life to the destroyers. If there be a messenger with him and an interpreter, one among a thousand, to show unto man his uprightness, then he is gracious unto him, and saith, Deliver him from going down to the pit, for I have found a ransom. His flesh shall be the flesh that of a child. He shall return to the days of his youth. He shall pray unto God, and he will be favorable unto him, and he shall see his face with joy. For he will render unto man his righteousness. He looketh upon men, and if any say, I have sinned and perverted that which was right, and it profit me not, he will deliver his soul from going down to the pit and his life shall see the light. Lo, all these things worketh God often, times with man, to bring man back, his soul back from the pit, to be enlightened with the light of the living. Amen, and we know God will bless the public reading of his word. What's the most important thing in your life? What's the most important thing in your life? Well, I'm glad tonight that I can say, as Willie's just said, that the most important thing to me in life is to know that I'm right with God, the Creator. And that when life comes to an end, whether it's through death or whether the Lord returns and takes me from the earth, that I'm going to heaven. That's the most important thing 
in my life beyond anything else. Nothing else remotely as important as that. Here in Job 33, the friend of Job is coming to share things that God has shown him. And the things that God has shown him are true and very important. And he points out in the verse that we read initially, he said, God speaks. God speaks. And so I have simply entitled this message for the sake of those recording it, The Voice of God. The Voice of God. Now, I want you to notice that it says God speaks once, yea, twice. What that conveys to us is that God keeps speaking. God keeps speaking. God is very merciful and very gracious to humanity, to people like you and me, because he knows that we need him, and we need him far more than we realize. Now, the things that we want to find out about this verse, God speaketh once, yet twice, yet man perceiveth it not, is first of all, what is God saying? If God's speaking, then what is he saying? And secondly, what does he use to speak? What does God use to speak? And the answers are given immediately afterwards. You see, there's something wrong with all of us. There's something wrong. When God made Adam and Eve in the garden, Jesus came every evening and he talked to Adam and they shared and communed. And Adam had no fear of God. There was no alienation. He just couldn't wait till God came and when God was leaving, just like what we do when we have somebody that comes to our home and we're very fond of them for whatever reason, and whenever they go, we don't just sit in the living room and wave bye-bye and pull the door when you're going. Well, I hope you don't do that. We go to the door with them, and it's as though we don't want them to go. Well, that's the way Adam was with Jesus in the Garden of Eden. The Lord would leave him that is, from communion in that manner, but the Lord's presence would still be with them because there was no sin, you see, and there was no dying. We were never designed to die, and that's why we're afraid of it. It's foreign to us. It's something we don't understand. You see, my dear friends, whenever Adam sinned in the garden, the Bible says that the Lord came like every other time, and then it says that he couldn't find Adam. Adam wasn't looking for him. Something had changed. And eventually the Lord, of course, knew where he was, and he was hiding in behind a bush, and God caught him and pulled him out. And he says, Adam, where are you? And he said, I hid because I was afraid. And, and something happened that day. You see, Whenever I was, used to drive the car and the children were in the car when they were small and 
You might have been listening to Radio Ulster, not that it was much use, but anyway, you were listening to it. And one of them would catch a wee knob and they would just turn it and that was it, gone. And you would fiddle and foot her back and, and you'd hard to get, lost the message. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden between God and man. You see, there came this, this breakdown of communication. Uh, we became alienated from God. We became separated from God. And my dear friends, that's the simple reason why the world is the way it is tonight. If you want to know why is this world the way it is, it's because man is a sinner. Man is separated from God, his creator. And man is destined to die because the wages of sin is death. You see, the fall came. God had warned them in the day that you eat thereof of the forbidden fruit. God said, you'll die. And when Paul was writing to the Christians in a little place called Ephesus, a little church group were meeting in a home, and Paul wrote to them, and this is what he said, you hath God quickened or brought to life who were dead in trespasses and sin. I want to tell you tonight, as far as God is concerned, you are dead. You say, I don't feel it. That's all the more reason why you are dead. You see, my dear friends, unless God comes by his Holy Spirit and God's life is put into your soul and spirit, unless that miracle happens, it's called regeneration. Jesus told Nicodemus, it's been born again. And unless that happens in your life, my friend, you will never see the kingdom of God. And if you die in your sins, Jesus said, where I am, you cannot come. My dear friends, those who are not saved tonight in this meeting, and those listening and who will be listening, if you have never been born again or saved by the grace of God, then you will be lost eternally in hell and the lake of fire. Paul said, God has brought you to life who were dead. The Bible says in Isaiah 59 and verse 2, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. My dear friend, your sin separates you from God. That's the condition of every man and woman without God. You say, well, why have we such problems in hearing God. In fact, isn't there many today who say that there is no God? Oh, yes, and they, God already knew about them. He talked about it in the Psalms. He said, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. And if you listen to all these 
uh, so-called scientists and clever people, and they come on and they have the media as their means of communication, and they come on with such authority and tell us that God doesn't exist, and we evolved from monkeys, and we go back, and we were plasma in the past, and the Big Bang happened, and they have all their theories, and people just sit dumbly and absorb it all and take it all in. But let me tell you tonight, friends, the vast majority of the world's population tonight believe in God. Just because England's a dark country, Scotland and Wales and Ireland and Western Europe, the vast majority of the world's population will bow down to some kind of being and acknowledge that there is some kind of person to whom we are accountable when we die. Where do they get it from? They get it from the fact that God has placed eternity in the heart of every man. And you have an appointment with your Creator, my friend, young or old. For it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Accountability is coming. I often say to people, when I was younger, when I got married, I think for about three months, I went shopping with my wife. It's 30 years ago. I've never hardly been in a shop with her since. Just give her the checkbook. In fact, I don't. She never gave it back to me after the three months. You go into Tesco or some of these stores and people go around with trolleys and they buy this and that and the other and they fill and they fill and they fill and you can go around some stores 24 hours a day. They don't actually close and they'll say nothing to you if you walk around all week with a trolley. They would let you do it. No problem. But when you go to go out of that shop, there's a thing called checkout. You have to pay. You can do what you like in this life. You can sow your wild oats and you can live immorally and an unclean life. You can have a foul, filthy tongue. You can be a liar and a cheat and a murderer and a thief and an adulterer, and a fornicator. You can do all that, and the government and nation will encourage you. But remember, check out. God is going to hold every man and woman accountable. Every one of us shall give account of ourselves to God. You see, my dear friends, the Bible says that the devil has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine in. Men have an aversion to light. And Jesus said men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. It's not nice to come and hear about your sin and to feel the guilt and the shame and the condemnation. It's not nice. It's easier to argue against the light and live in the darkness. But God is light 
and in him is no darkness. And God calls you to the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall walk in light and shall have the light of life. You see, we have all become sick through sin. And you know, whenever you're sick, what you do, if you're sensible, you'll go to a good doctor. And you go to the doctor and you listen to what the doctor has to say. And then you take the prescription and you'll get better. You and I are sick tonight through sin. And the doctor is God. And we need to come to God to get better. We need to come to God and let God administer, tell us what's wrong, and give us the medicine, and then take the medicine, and we'll be well. My dear friends, when this man is speaking to Job, he says, God speaks once, yet twice, yet man doesn't perceive it. Man can't get it. You see, the station's affected. The communication's problematic. So then he said, but this is how God does it. This is how God does it. In a dream. In a dream. You see, I never heard a story like that tonight. That man got up and he went onto the pulpit and then he went over there. I never heard a story like that before. Well, in the Bible, there was a great king and his name was Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. And Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And it was also a bad dream. And when he had that bad dream, what happened to him was... He, he called Daniel to come and give him the meaning of the dream. And Daniel came along and he started to speak to him. And Daniel says to him, listen, God has showed you that there's a great tree and it's cut down. And you're the tree and God's going to cut you down. And this is what he said to him. Break off thy sin by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. In other words, listen, king, God is going to cut you down, and God did cut him down, and he went out and he lived, and he was like an eagle or a bird where the feather hair grew on his body like, like an animal, and he lost his mind. And God had warned him in the dream. And Daniel said, if you would but repent, and if you do what's right, and if you would live right. You see, that was the message from God. It was in the form of a dream. The Old Testament. But then the day came whenever Pontius Pilate, the most important day of his life, and he didn't know it. And he sat up on his judgment seat and there was a man in front of him and he didn't fully realize who he was. He was Jesus Christ. He was sitting with God in front of him. And he's about to pass sentence on what he wants to do with Jesus. 
And this messenger comes through to him and gives him a wee bit of paper and says to him, read that before you do anything, Pilate. And it's from his wife. She says, I've had a nightmare. I've had a nightmare. That's what it means in the Greek. I've had a nightmare. Have thou nothing to do with this just man? I have suffered many things in the nightmare over this man. God spoke to Pilate, and God warned him about what he was going to do with Jesus. Oh, yes, my friends, God speaks, the Bible says, in a dream, in the vision of the night. But then it says in verse 19, that man is chastened also with pain upon his bed, and the multitude of his bones strong pain, so that his life abhorreth bread, and his soul dainty meat. And he draws near to the great. This is a man who is lying down. And it has been said many times, many's a man has to be put on his back in order to look up. This person's very ill who he's writing about. And he says this man has been put on his back, and not only is he on his back, but he's in pain, physical pain. And he can't eat. God uses sickness at times to speak to us. I have no doubt tonight that there are people tonight in hospitals all over our country. All over our country. And the only reason they're there is because God Almighty is trying to speak to them. And their bones are sticking out. And the medics are doing everything they can for them. And God's trying to speak to them. Because they weren't tuned in whenever they had their health. Remember a friend of mine saying that one night, a number of years ago, he was in Craigavon Hospital. And he was walking late at night in the corridor. He had a reason to be in to see a person in hospital. And as he was walking down the corridor late at night, he said, a man come out from a ward and said, please come and speak to me. And he said, I went in and sat beside this elderly man who was ill but had got out of his bed. And he said, I've noticed that you've been in and out of the hospital. He said, I'm going to die and I'm not ready to meet God. Can you help me? Well, thank God that minister could help him and led him to Christ. Oh, yes, God speaks through sickness. But finally, my friends, it says then in verse 23, if there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one among a thousand to show unto man his uprightness or how to be upright. Did you notice that, the way it put it? If there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one who can tell how to get to God, a person who can 
read a situation and tell where a person is and be able to explain to them how to be made right with God. He said, if there is such a person, then he said, one in a thousand. They're a rare breed. They're a rare breed, these. Even in Job's day. A messenger, one in a thousand. The preacher. You know, friends, for many years I listened to clergy and ministers before I became a Christian. But a day came in the providence of God that I heard a minister preaching who was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And I came under conviction of sin. And I knew I was lost can't remember one thing that preacher talked about. Can't remember one word of that sermon. If I had to remember a word of it to be saved, I'd be lost. Can't remember a word of it. But I'll tell you what I do remember. I remember becoming aware that I was lost. I remember becoming aware that if I died as I was, I would be in hell. I remember becoming aware of all the things I had done in secret and the things that were hidden from the eyes of God or the eyes of man and those around me, but were clear to heaven and who God knew. For the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. My friend, there's no secrets with the Almighty. No secrets with God. He knows you through and through. He reads your thoughts. He knows your mind. He knows your mind. The preacher of the gospel. Paul said it pleases God through the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. If I got to do a hand count tonight and said all who were Christians were saved through preaching, I guarantee you the majority would put their hand up through preaching. It's God's main method of bringing people to Christ. It's how God speaks. Many years ago in London, a great preacher called Roland Hill stood a vast crowd had gathered to hear him preacher, preaching. And as he was preaching to this vast crowd, this beautiful, ornate coach came along and slowed down and stopped. Inside it was a very well-to-do aristocrat called Lady Erskine. Lady Erskine put down her window. Somebody said to Roland Hill, the preacher, Lady Erskine's here. She's listening. He stood forward and said, we're going to have an auction. Everybody stood. The preacher's having an auction. Not gold. Not silver. Not jewels. He said, no, no. No, he said, I'm going to auction the soul of Lady Erskine. I'm going to auction her soul. Any bids? Any bids for Lady Erskine's soul? Oh, I hear the devil. I hear the devil. What is your bid for Lady Erskine's soul? Oh, you say I'll give her wealth. Ah, yes, you'll give her wealth. You'll give her fame. Oh, yes, that's good. You'll give her fame. You'll give her influence, notoriety. 
Oh, you'll give her the world then. You'll give her all the world. Any other bids then for Lady Erskine's soul? I say, I hear another voice. It's the tender voice of Jesus Christ. Ah, what will you give? You'll give life. You'll give peace. You'll give joy. You'll give salvation. You'll give heaven. Who will win? Who will win in the seal of Lady Erskine's soul? What will you pay? I hear the Savior. I'll pay with my blood. I'll go to the cross and I'll die for her. And I'll shed my blood for her. And I'll rise on the third day for her. And if she comes, she'll be mine, and mine eternally. And Lady Erskine stepped out of her carriage and walked in front of the vast crowd and knelt and gave her life to Jesus Christ in that great open air. Oh, my friend, your soul is in the balance. Your eternity is before you. No guarantees you're the right age to die. No certainties about tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you? Will you come to him as she did? Will you repent of your sin? Will you kneel as Willie did and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm so sorry for my sin. I turn from my sin and I ask you to come into my life because I can't save myself. All my good works are filthy rags. All the religion and all the creeds that earth have ever created can never save me. But Jesus said, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. My friend in closing, what shall it profit you if you gain the whole world? and lose your own soul. You see, Alan, does God keep speaking? You've no guarantees about tomorrow. He says, today, if you will hear my voice, harden not your heart. One day a man stood shaving. He was a young man. Life was beginning. As he was pulling the razor over his face in the mirror, suddenly 
he saw reaper death over his shoulder. He saw the scythe and the black cloak and knew that death had come. And in panic, he set the razor down and said, Oh no, don't come for me now. Don't come for me now. I'm not ready. I'm not ready for you. Death looked at him. And he said, please give me opportunity. Please give me time. Death said, I'll give you time. He said, will you be back? Oh, yes, I'll be back. Will you let me know when you're coming? Yes, I will. I'll let you know. He was gone. Years went by. Decades went by. One day again, he stood in the mirror, shaving. And death appeared again behind the mirror. Oh, it's not you. You're not back. Yes, I'm back. But you told me that you would be coming. You said you would warn me. He said, what are those under your eyes? Those wrinkles. What about that hair that has turned white? He said, I have been warning you for years I'm coming. But you never listened. Death is coming. Death is coming. And the judgment day. Hasten, sinner. Hasten, sinner. Seek the narrow way. God speaketh once, yet twice, yet man perceiveth it not. Let's bow in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the help of God the Holy Spirit, and we pray he who is faithful to the gospel and to the Savior that, Lord, you would speak loudly and continually into lives until young and old cry out, Christ for me. In Jesus' name, amen.